The Perth Football Podcast is proudly brought to you by Macron Store Perth, an industry leader in quality teamwear specialising in grassroots, semi-pro and professional team attire. Visit the Macron Sports Hub Perth Facebook page for more. Thank you to Macron for helping us keep the pod running and for their continuous involvement in community sport. Welcome to another episode of the Perth Football Podcast. No Sean again, so you're stuck with me, your host, Kalichi Osunwa. But I am joined in a room not quite full of heroes, but full of extraordinary gentlemen. Not the greatest of men, but still pretty damn good. We've got Mr. Football WA, Tommy Dolman, to the left of me. Tommy, how are you, mate? You well? Uh, good. Thanks, Kalichi. A little tired. Big weekend, but uh, yeah, keen to get into this. Big weekend. It didn't all go the way that you wanted, mate, but we'll... Stay away from that, or do you want to just address that right away? Let's just get it out of the way. Yeah, we were rubbish again last night. I'll I'll not go into the swearing that I went into last weekend, but uh, by the way, the ratings for the swearing was amazing. Thanks, so thank you for oh. that, mate. Well, I won't I won't do it again, but it was uh, it was pathetic, and that's that's there's a long rebuild ahead, and we'll leave it at that. I suppose the joy is it happened two minutes in, and you could be like, ah, it's done. Yeah, that that was that was exactly it. It's just a sad. It's just sad that the whole Bielsa legacy was reduced to to last night playing six defenders in a must win game. The end. The end. Uh, the person you can hear giggling is uh, Betab Zuba. Betab is uh, currently the one who got away from an NPL team and is now coaching in the uh, state league. But Betab, how are you, mate? You well? Can't believe you remember that. Yeah, not bad. I had a, had a little road trip to Mandra yesterday, so I'm a little tired, but uh, I'm pretty good. Nice. We had a, a road trip as well, that, uh, for, for, but we'll save that for amateur hour uh, with myself and Nova towards the end of the day, uh, end of the show rather. And the person that you can't hear right now is Alex Avatsis, uh what, third best, fourth best referee in, in WA? I'll take top 10. That's not bad, <laughs> is it? Eh? Not bad for someone that doesn't pass a fitness test uh, that Dave Averson won't let me do state league, so it's good. Nah, uh, yeah. Mate, I've seen Dave weekend. Averson's stats on Strava, and if you can't beat those stats, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, he's horrible. Good, good to see Dave pass the fitness test this year in in Albany, unlike uh, last year in Bustles and Anover. Yeah, he got he got through it. To be fair, he was the only reason he did the game. He was crook, and he says, "I can't do it two years on a row. I can't. Tommy will kill me <laughs> on air." So he um he got through it. And at the if you had seen him after the game had finished, he was sweating. He was he was pale. He he wasn't good, but uh, he got through it thankfully. And um. Yeah, he uh, hopefully gets well soon. You wouldn't have known it looking at him punching a couple of red wines in the uh, in the club rooms afterwards, but uh, whatever helps you get you get you through that situation. Well, some of us do double games, so yeah, it was good of good of him to give me double line. But uh, yeah, no, nah, all good. Uh, did you say uh, I'm not going to take the low hanging fruit there about the double lines there and just go straight back into the the game that we had? You guys were down south. Uh, Sean Fry's hometown. Shout out to Miss Di Fry who forgave me for uh, doing nothing to I Sean. I got to meet her for the first time. Isn't she lovely? Amazing lady. Amazing. Sean adopted. That's what I was thinking. Mum, unbelievable. What a lady. Yeah. Dad, I, da- Dad I can take or leave, but mum, yeah, class. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, let's go straight into the football. Gentlemen, you were both down there for the regional, regional round of football with uh, Sorrento and Albany, and it looked like it was an absolute cracker. What happened? First and foremost, it was a great afternoon. Um, two really two interesting games for for different reasons, and 
the fixture was pretty well attended. Um, there was a good crowd in the house down there. It seemed like the uh, the football community in Albany embraced it. And the weather was pretty good as well, which also helped at this time of year. It was obviously a bit chilly, but um, it helped people sort of come in their numbers. So it, it was a really enjoyable afternoon overall. Um, in terms of the football, the um, the late drama obviously um, was at the Perth Glory-Sorrento game. Uh, Perth Glory winning by three goals to two. Um it looked as though Dean Cummings had given Sorrento a two-all draw. Uh, Sorrento were really coming in the last 15 minutes, a lot of set pieces. Gustavo Marilanda came off the bench and made like, a real I impact. I like what you did there as well, by the way. What, what did I do? Dean Cummings had given them the, uh, the, 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 the draw, and then they said Sorrento are really coming. And I thought that was really, really clever there, Tommy. It was unintended. Anyway... Um, you're throwing off my stride now. <laughs> and, and then there was a the late twist because um, Quara and Go, who, was also, who, who had come off the bench about five minutes before, just picked up the ball, went towards goal and whipped it into the bottom corner. And it was a win which put Glory into the top four. But yeah, it capped a, it capped a terrific day down in Albany. In terms of the ebb and flow of the game, um, John Wormsley's mentioned it numerous times that he likes to have a team that just plays a transition and tries to go, we back our attackers to beat your attackers. Is that what kind of happened in the game, that it was just a, a that, kind that's of back how they and forth play. game? Yeah, I think, I think their philosophy is we'll score more than you. Um, so they do have that uh, attacking mentality. And you can just see it the way they play. Unfortunately, I had glory in the second half where they're a lot fitter than me, where after doing two games, you're a little bit slower. So they, they, they were quick. They were quick on the, on, the, on the attack because it just changed so fast. Just look, within seconds, they're... they're the, the passing was good, breaking lines easy. And, and um, yeah, Sorrento put in a good fight. And I think it was 90 plus one and then 90 plus four or five, I think it was for the winner. Um, and the winner itself was, oh, in my opinion, was was some finish. Bar the celebration, that was horrible. But the, the finish itself was incredible. I mean, just the, calm, collected and just, yeah, slotted it uh, in the far corner. Describe the celebration, Nova. If you have a look, I actually tell the player, I don't know if you can beep it, but- um, I'll put the beep in there. Yeah, so I told the player- so basically, he they were celebrating, which is fine. Or if it was a flip, like I think it was a Nasmo. Did he do the flip? Was it a Nasmo? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's done the flip. This was horrible. I don't know what he was doing. He thought it was a mix of John Travolta and BG's dancing at the same time. It was horrible. It was such a disgrace. I got to see this. Now. Yeah, you have to. It's I've got it on my phone. I will show it to you. It's it's just embarrassing. And and I. I, it was actually Stephen Wormsley, the assistant coach, sent it to me saying, when the assistant referee tells your player to. F- <laughs> but I've gone, mate. It, it was the worst thing. But um, in terms of the game itself, they were, they were incredible to watch, and it's good to see young players like this. And 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 granted, this is why you're seeing so many of these young players at Glory actually being called up into national teams now because their their mentality is their confidence and mentality, and, and just um, the way they're playing is is good. Um, John also mentioned that what kind of let them down last week against Sterling was they didn't match up to that physicality. And Sorrento are traditionally a physical side, like a very, very sick physical side, um, regardless of the likes of Joey Tweets in there, who still gets himself about and can be an absolute nuisance sometimes. So did they did they match it with Sorrento in, in, in this game? Yeah, I was lucky enough. I was on the line for the Sterling game as well. So I, I, it was almost two different types of teams because physically they were up for it. I mean, there was a few changes in terms of who played. Um, but yeah, in terms of the physicality of the way Perth Glory went about it, they did match it. Um, and, and they weren't scared to, to, to mess with the, with the big boys. Um, whereas, yeah, Sterling definitely, they got, I hate using the word, but they got bullied um, and, and they fell. Uh, and you can see exactly that. Yeah, and, and, and to Nova's point, we spoke to a couple of the players after the game and they were sped. 
the, the pace was hot. There was so much transition. It was back and forth throughout the whole day. Um, both teams really wanted to play on the counterattack and try and expose each other in that sense. So, um, yeah, that kind of just summed up coming in after the game. Just the, the fact that both sets of players were absolutely knackered was, uh, was, was something that really summed up the, the game. And in terms of the glory, um, obviously the fortunes at A-League level haven't been particularly great for the club in recent years, um, but they're absolutely nailing it with their set up the, the, the players that they're bringing through the, the the players that have gone to the joeys i think they were missing six players who were away with the with the national team at the weekend as well and they still were able to pull out players from their under 18s team and and get a big win and show the character as well to, at 2-2 two, two, it's easy to just sort of fold and go okay cool we've got a point out of this game we were maybe the better team but couldn't quite get over the line no nah, they came back again they, they showed that dare they showed um the real appetite to go and get the three points and that's what they did before we move on, sorry. No, no I was just going to say, and that's the, the Wormsley mentality as well. They're not going to accept um, not going the full 90 or, in this instance, 95 minutes. They went out, irrespective if they were going to take a point or not, they wanted to get all three. If it cost them three, so be it. But the, the fact that they went, they were brave, and and, and I, I mean, all due respect, I think they well-deserved three points as well. Is there any final thing to take out from the game for Sorrento or from from um, from Glory? Uh, individuals or, or styles of play, or maybe you might think it might be time to sound the panic klaxon for Sorrento at all. I don't think I don't think they're a bottom team. To be fair, I thought they were they were quite good. Um, having seen most teams now in the NPL, they definitely played w- w- with a bit of class as well in the way they went about it. Um, Joey Tweets I thought was quite good. Cummins was good in the middle of the park as well. Um, Snowden and Gibbs, Snowden, the, the two young yeah. boys up front, gave them some real energy, and um, they they are, and Paddy Hughes in goal as well was absolutely magnificent. He made penalty save. He made a penalty save from Jaden Gorman and, and three or four saves in the second half. One from Ngo where it was almost on the follow up, and you sort of wonder how he kept it out. And uh, I think he saved it onto the bar and away to safety it went. So um, yeah, look, I think for Sorenso. They've proven that they have been competitive in most games this season. I don't think they've really had a, a a bad or a heavy loss in any of the games that I can recall, other than the Red Star game, I think, earlier in the season when they went down to 10 men really early yeah. in the piece. Um, I think from Steve McGarry's perspective, I'm sure that he'll be just itching to get to this transfer window if they can sort of stay in touch with um, that mid-table section of the table. He can maybe bring in some players that he knows um, th- through some contacts that he has, and then hopefully Sorrento will be looking to add that extra class and maybe shoot up the league. Awesome. Well, look, uh, well, you mentioned Sterling earlier, and they had a cracking 5-0 win away at, at Armadale. Didn't see this coming at all. Um, thought it'd be a much more closely contested uh, affair, but it's it's the second time that Armadale have been really taken back and, and really like touched up at home to a really, really good side. And another time that it's happened where it's with another red card. So uh, we'll play the music right now and then uh, see if anyone has actually got a chance to see that red card. Now you listen here. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Or girl. And I think, I think that's what's really crucial to take away from this game is that it was, ni- it was 1-0 with 19 minutes to go. So... Armadale were clearly in this game. Red card happens, and then, I don't know, you discombobulate, you keep trying to push forward, and you concede five, which is something that John O'Reilly teams don't typically do. But did any of you get a chance to see the red card? Uh, it, was, it was Chris Jackson. I'm sorry, Chris Jackson. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. So, um, so it looked as though, basically, there was a ball in dispute. Um, 
James Bosdet and Chris Jackson sort of came together to meet the ball. It looked as though Jackson went in and sort of lunged to, to make a genuine attempt to get the ball. Bosdet obviously came out at the same time. And it was a little bit hard to see given the angle of the camera, but the referees obviously deemed that he's gone in a little bit high and lunged in and and thought that it was a straight it's red a straight card. Red. And you can talk. Well, mate, I, uh, as someone who was lunged previously, <laughs> um, but also as someone who has played striker and been in that situation yeah. where you're going to get yelled at by your coach if you don't at least try to make an attempt and, and play for the game. Damned if you do. Damned if you don't. In those and I, I genuinely don't think from watching it, again, it's a really bad angle. And unfortunately, the referee is about 30 yards away. Mm. Um, it's a really bad angle, but you can see that Chris' leg, Chris's left leg, almost like swipes as if he's trying to shoot. And that's where he swipes and then he clashes into James Bosdett. Now, we all know James Bosdett. He loves the theatrics. He loves to play up against the crowd. And he just starts rolling around like a pinball. And again, I'm not saying he wasn't hit. I'm not saying it wasn't uh, clattered, but it, it looked like a genuine football play rather than a... Yeah, football contact. Yeah, rather than a play endangering the opponent. So I, th- I think with the referee himself, um, it could be that he's taken advice or guidance from the assistant as well because they would have been calmed up. Um, so again, the assistant would have been in line, but again, you're right, James, he doesn't mind a bit of that. Um, but again, he won't, he's not scared to give a bit back either. No. Um, and that's why I respect him so much. Um, but in terms, you're right. Once, once you get, put yourself into that predicament, um, you could get yourself in trouble. So well, actually, uh, you'll get some live, live podcast in here, guys. We'll, we'll, Tommy's keyed it up here. We'll play it for Nova and we'll play it for Benham and let them have a see and see what they say. You're going to get a, a live reaction behind the scenes into the Perth Football Podcast. All right, Nova, we've just seen it yeah. in real time. What do, you, what do you think, mate? At, at, a, at a quick glance, I think it looks like his left leg, which is raised with the studs, is mi- it looks like it's missing. Has he got him? Yeah, he has. It looks like with his right leg. Um, yeah. And again, we, we're having multiple looks at this as well. Yeah, you can it's see tough. How difficult it's it is. tough. He's... he's He's, he's so the referee's behind. He's made it looks like he's made the decision on his own on that one. Um, and look where the referee is as well. Yeah, he's gone behind him, so he's not really got. Yeah, I think for me personally, having looked at it about twelve times now, um, I'm going that he's missed him with his left raised leg and and got him with the right, which I'd be comfortable with the yellow. Um, but again, it's it's what you see and what your angles are, and this is when we talk about we only get one opportunity. We haven't got in, VAR in real time, real fast. Yeah, like A League, which currently have sixteen different cameras, uh, opportunity to watch it again, again, and again, and also a referee that says you need to come look at it. It's it's difficult, but um, yeah, I mean, having looked at it, it's 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 a it's a tough one. But if he if he believes his left foot has got him raised above the ankle with the studs, then yeah, he's going. Um, but yeah, in terms of what I can see from that angle, which isn't a great angle to be fair, um, it looks like his right leg has collided with him, um, which for me would be yellow. But, yeah, from from all accounts apart from that, well, not even from that, but he had a, did have a decent game as well. Yeah, I mean, first time I've seen it, first glance, I thought he looks like he slipped, but after a few replays, I don't think there's any malice in there. He's not trying to intentionally go for the man. And as a coach yourself, you're telling your player, if your player pulls out and Boz that clears that away, you're screaming and yelling at him. He's also playing at home in front of the army. And it's Johnny Riley. Yeah, like, yeah. You're, you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Exactly. But I mean, look, the keeper's put in a great, great performance in on the floor. I think I saw him roll about five times, oh, actually 15 times there, screaming in pain. Like, if I saw my player roll like that, I'd be on the phone to the ambulance because there must be something wrong there. Like, 
Yeah, and, and to be fair, Boslett would never exaggerate a situation for his own nah. personal gain, would he? He did get booked against Perth Glory for jumping into the crowd, so that was good. A <laughs> couple of interesting takeaways. So Armadale have now got the best attack in the league and the worst defence, which is a very unusual um, statistical sort of anomaly, I suppose. Um, we did sort of say before the season that they are the great entertainers and that they certainly don't let us down for, for various reasons. They, they are so unpredictable going into each week. They, they can come and beat anybody on their day 5-0, but also... Um, lose 5-0. Um, and, that's, and that's the crazy thing about that is in two games, they had a 1-6 loss to Red Star and a 5-0 loss to Sterling Macedonia, which to be fair are the teams who were first and second. But yes, you, 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 take, you take that into context and what that's that's ten of, well, that's 11 of the 26 goals that they've had against them. So, oh, yeah. but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a difficult league to look at right now for them. In terms of just beating the Sterling drum a, a little bit more, um, <laughs> I, I've been doing it for a few weeks now. Did you pick them to win the league or something, Toby? I, I did. Um, it's still very early days, um, but they're unbeaten in four. They have kept four clean sheets in a row, and they've started adding goals to their game. Um, I know they got five at the weekend. Four of them were in unique circumstances. But a 3-0 against the Glory the week before, they were held at home to Coburn, which looks uh, look looks like a really good point now on the form line for um for 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 Steve McDonald's team. And and before that, they put four past Perth. So they're they're starting to just hum along very nicely. And the dangerous thing is that they're getting goals from elsewhere. They're not relying on one player. Right. Everybody is contributing. They had five individual scorers at the weekend. I think Daniel Fake and he got a couple um away at Perth. He he's not a noted goal scorer usually either. So that they're really firing on all cylinders at the moment. Just looking at the table quickly, it just blows my mind, and I'm testing my maths here, Tommy, so you can tell me how I'm going, but every club has lost either 30% or more of their games, and we're not even halfway through. You would, I, I don't remember that happening, where it's that, that you know, three out of your 10 games you've lost. It's that classic, anyone yeah. can beat anyone. You can, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's another reason for Florida to not to panic. But going going back to Sterling Macedonia, I think the next four weeks are going to be crucial for them. And again, they will look at this and say, we're taking it one game at a time. But their start of the season was so tough, and it's, it's we're coming right back around that. So they've got Kingsway away. They then have Red Star. Um, and then they have Florida after that. So after, after, after that Englewood games, it's almost derby, derby, and then top of the league clash uh, with, with with fellow rivals. So it, if they can get through those next four games, then the schedule quote unquote becomes you know quote unquote easier. But looking at this table, you, you wouldn't fancy them to have an easy game against Balcata, for example. And the only thing to talk about the table as well is Olympic, Perth, and Sorrento have now got a lot of away games going to start coming through with the Women's World Cup. So they've played a lot of their home games now. So twenty eight days before the first game. They're going to lose their ground, which would be probably middle of June. Round about now. Yeah. So they're going to start losing their ground. Um, so they're going to lose a lot of home games. Um, so you're looking at Sorrento in 11th, losing a lot of games. Perth, 9th, a lot of home games gone. And Olympic in 7th. I mean, it's, it's you know, they now need to, and I said it at the start of the year, they need to really take points early um, to make themselves comfortable. Um, but, you know, Sorrento, you know, are a great team and can, and can play away, which, I mean, is away a big difference playing in WA? Probably not. But you get used to the size of the pitch. You get used to the surface of the pitch, home change rooms. But also that. tell that, tell that to, to Olympic Kingsway, that home crowd that they had for the yeah. night game against Bayswater City was like, it's exactly, yeah, it's exactly what you want. And yeah. and if you are in the situation that they were in when they had that late equaliser to make it 3-3, 
you still have that backing to keep going. And I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd, if I was Sterling, I'd rather play at Sterling than play away from Sterling. And if I was Armadale, I'd rather play at Armadale than play away from so if you, well. if you look at Sorry, if you look at the, the table, Perth have played nine matches at home. Olympic have played eight matches at home. So Perth have only got two more at home. Olympic got three more at home. Um, and yeah, Sorrento obviously six, but yeah, they'll start to, to drop off as well. So that, that just makes it interesting now. And I mean, for me, Perth, um, their ground is phenomenal. It's an incredible ground to play on and to only have two more games there, it's going to make it tough to make mm. the four. Really tough. Um, we'll, speaking of Perth, they, and speaking of four, um, they got a 4-0 win against Englewood. So I don't know if it's everything is all back to normal there at Perth or is it a case of just Englewood being the most Jekyll and Hyde team that we've got in this league and division where some of their, what, they've won five games, but some of those matches, sorry, they've won, let's get this right, They've won three games, but the three wins were against Floriot for for one of them, and a big time win against Olympic. Olympic last week as well. So, I don't I don't know what to make of that result from a Perth perspective or an Inglewood perspective, because again, Perth has, has still haven't found um, their new coaches. And like you said, it's a weird league. I mean, you look at Olympic; they've copped four against Inglewood, but then went and beat Bayswater four three, um, which you know, there's it's it's a massive turnaround, um, but. Yeah, it is. It's just a bizarre year, honestly. It's it's a really, really weird year in terms of the results, and that's why we love the game, I suppose. Well, nothing's more NPL WA twenty twenty three than Inglewood United. Yeah, like you say, losing four nil to Perth this week, having beaten Kingsway four nil away last week. It's um, it's just the four nils basically cancelling each other out. Um, from a Perth perspective. That that was a, a much needed win for them. I don't think we can yeah, understa- yeah. overstate just how big that three points was. Um, Anthony Bafferbusher did get a second yellow card in the second half. So they did get a couple of, um, junk time goals for want of a better phrase, but nevertheless important for them to get a little bit of confidence and, and a couple of Julian Teller's headers from set pieces that that is an area where they st- still can be proficient, but I think it was just more so about getting that win by hook or by crook, any old how, um, just to sort of give you a little bit of a lift. And, and we can see with the tight nature of the table that it was enough to sort of lift them into ninth place. So, and, and I think they played quite a few. Quite a few youngsters in that, uh, with um, Banks getting a start as well. Well, Banks had a goal and two assists, so he had a very good game on the day as well. But um, yeah, uh, uh, ba- Basil Lenzo getting his first win as as, as yeah, coach in, in this instance, so that they'll be hoping to build on that going forward. Like you say, um, quite a lot of away games coming up, but you never know; they might be able to use this as a bit of a siege mentality sort of style way of going. I think they've got Bayswater at home this weekend. Um, I think that's their final game, and then they start their long spell of away matches. But they might be able to say, right, let's just go on the road. Let, let's use this siege mentality. Let's go back to the wall. Let's really set up hard and try and counter, and um, and they might be able to turn their season around, given how tight it is. We'll breeze through the leagues pretty quickly. Um, a nil-nil result between Balcata and Florida Athena, which ends up being a decent point for both teams. One, because Balcata get their first set of points at home. And um, and two, because Floriat stopped the rot in terms of the five losses in a row. And this is how you start. This is how you start building back. As much as, I, some points. as much as I do love all clubs and, and Floriat being close to me, still not scoring. I mean, defensively, yeah, done really well, um, against, especially against Balcata who, who are scoring. But to not score again, uh, it's again, you know, does Vass have to look at that? Um, you know, Petkov out still. Bailey's still uh, out. Bailey's still out. I mean, there, there's some two big ins that will come in. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the signs. Because if you play against a club, um, I'm not sure who they've got next week. I think they've got... Glory away. <laughs> who score goals. 
<laughs> so the, actually, it's a fr- it might be a Friday night game Friday as well. Friday night down in the so, south. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the thing is is you know you're playing against a club that that is outscoring. I mean, they put three pass. You know, Sorrento. That that's something they need to look if at. If they are going to win that one 0 it's going to have to be a big time physical battle where they yeah. where they kind of stay deep and try to hit them on the counter. Correct. Because um, you can't go toe to toe with them. Um, and then looking at other results that we've got, unfortunately, no one was there to see easily the game of the round with Olympic Kingsway, Bayswater City. But uh, we will be there to see Olympic Kingsway and Perth Red Star play next week. Um, and speaking of Red Star, there was a hat trick for Diddley Daryl Nickel. He he's out of control. Just, are, we, are we that surprised anymore? He, no, he's, he's, he's just out of control. He's phenomenal. Um, How many is, goals is, is it now for him? 75,000. Is he the is he the greatest player that we've seen in the MPL era? I think Nova, it, along with yeah, along me, with Gustavo, he, he'd be I, right. He's up there. passed. I think he's passed. Gustavo, I love Gustavo to death. Love him, but I mean Daryl clinically in terms of finishing and being. But again, the, the other thing you got to look at is the service he's getting in comparison to what Gustavo was as well. Kalichi doesn't like that comment. He's not. I don't. Happy. I don't. I I think if we were to say who was the greatest goal scorer the MPL has ever seen, I'll say Daryl Nicol. But yeah. there were things that. Marilunda did. Oh, absolutely. And still does. And you know what? And still does. You're just like, like, what's going on? He knows I love him. Um, So again, Daryl, we're not taking any any shots at you, but like the stuff I, I, and that was my first year covering, my first few years covering that team and covering Bayswater and coming, um, Bauble Sam and Chris Coyne and that team and just being like, yo, the stuff that this guy is doing with the ball is. But the two Gustavos as well. uh, Johnny as well. I mean, that was some side. Um, But for me personally, it's it's such, such a hard pick. Like if for me, if you wanted someone to finish a ball, it's Daryl. Yeah, you know, hundred percent. Do you want someone that can nutmeg six players in a row? Gustavo's your man because he'll just he'll just go at it. Um, but yeah, Daryl at the moment, Tommy. To answer your question, for me, you know, I mean, again, we're not we're comparing them in two different types. I mean, Gustavo's a lot older than than Daryl. Well, just really older, quickly, has he got more than ten goals? I think so. I think he's. I think he's got. 13 off the top of my head. He was he was saying it's really hard to go at a goal a game uh, in this league and he's currently on 13 goals and 10 games played. What are you talking about? Like, it's ridiculous. And, and 1.3 per game is, is not bad, is it? It's bad. He's also on track, potentially. There's a long way to go in the season. But if he wins a fourth gold medal this season, that is... Yeah. Something that is going to be not that that is his, that is going to get to levels of, of history in terms of there's not going Absolutely. to be many players in the history of WA football who won four gold medals and there's not going to be many who are going to have the chance to do that again in the future. I don't, even three, is there any that have got three? I know a lot, a few that have got two, and some are still questioned. This is where we need Peter. We need Peter. I'm not going to mention names because we I've discussed him with some uh, past players, but. Um, yeah, Simo would definitely know, but I don't think there's anyone with Simo, three. reach out to us. Send us an email. Yeah, it'd be mate. good to know. Yeah, we'll Get him on one week. We'll get Simo on one week. Oh, that'd be some... I tell you what, you and, you and Simo, oh, I'm not turning up. That'd be so boring. Be no jokes. <laughs> There'll be absolutely no jokes. No time for a laugh. One guy's talking about the sheep. The other one's talking about leads. Oh, oh. No chance. Uh, well, look, I think that wraps it up um, for part one. We'll be back with part two with a very, very special guest um, and, yeah, in a conversation that I'm really looking forward to. So uh, stick around for part two after hearing Sean talk about our partners at B&R Massage Therapy. And before we dive back into part two, we just want to send a quick thank you out to Balance and Revive Massage Therapy, our latest sponsors here at the Perth Football Podcast. And if you want to get 10% off remedial and sports massages, just go and say hi uh, from the Perth Football Podcast. Use the code PFP23. Uh, that's PFP23. And you get 10% off all remedial and sports massages at Balance and Revive. You can find them in Carambine at 1 Hobson's 
gate. And we're back with a Perth Football Podcast special. We've got Carl, who is an openly gay player, uh, playing for South Perth, to um, come and join us and, and have a, a, a pretty much needed chat. Um, I'll give you the precursor around it. Uh, I have the privilege and pressure of being the um, North Perth United captain. Um, and a couple of years ago, we had a cup final, and I got to uh, wear a rainbow armband um, as captain. Um, and I've continually worn that rainbow armband and then a couple of weeks ago, uh, someone who is a president of another team approached me and said, hey, don't wear that armband against us. Yeah, Nova's face is shocked. <laughs> um, and, oh. and, and I was like, nah, you could go screw yourself. I, I'm, I've been wearing it Wait, before and, um, and I'll be wearing it like against you guys. And yeah, it made a bit of a fuss about it. Um, and in the same time, it was the women's um, pride round in the um, WSL. And then just seeing idiots and morons not understand the need for that round or the need for the representation and people who uh, have had other TV shows and radio shows commenting about the world going nuts. And I just thought, look, let's actually have someone here who can speak about this and give you one, the importance of, of why this kind of matters. And I've always believed that football is a force for good and a force for community. And I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you believe in, what any of those things are, who, you, what your sexuality is, you should be allowed to be miserable at football like we all are. You should be allowed to watch your team not be good or watch your team be good or support and share and have all of the emotions and have football be the force for good as, as possible. So um, with that said, Carl's been really generous to give us his time and to just come have a chat and conversation with us. I've got no idea where this is going to go. I'm sure he's got no idea where it's going to go. But Carl, thank you so much for coming on for us, mate. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so how long have you been at um, the South Perth and, and the Pride team? Tell us about that. Uh, so I came to Australia about a year ago, and then when I arrived, obviously I didn't know anyone. So I had a look around for like an LGBT team, found a Perth Pride team, went along, met some people. But a Perth Pride team is more of a social thing. It's just training and like, you know, a drink after. But I didn't play games, and I still wanted to play games. So Perth Pride have the connection with a tie of South Perth United. Mm -hmm. So through them, I went and started playing for South Perth United as well. So I get the the training with Perth Pride and the social aspect, I still get to play games with South Perth, so best of both worlds, really. And it's just been a welcoming and accommodating place in terms of playing football and also being part of community? Yeah, definitely. Like, the Perth Pride team is just so open and inclusive. And I guess when I came here, you never know what team to join or what you're going to find. But the fact that South Perth had a tie with Perth Pride kind of gave me the idea that it would be a safe space and the committee would, you know, be inclusive and there wouldn't be any issues joining and playing with them. Did you play uh, football before you, you came to Australia, Carl? Yeah, so, I mean, I played since I was like you know, a child. And then when I came out when I was 25, I just gave up for five years because I just didn't feel safe in that space or comfortable. Jeez. And then when COVID ended, I was back in Scotland. We also had COVID. We had lockdowns. So when that ended, kind of have that view of let's live life, let's, you know, not mess up. Yeah. So I found an LGBT team in Glasgow, played with them. I like fell in love with football again. You're just like, why did I give this up? Like, this is crazy. Um, really enjoyed it. So when I came out here, I was like, I don't want to give it up again. And I guess as I've got older, I'm more secure in myself. So even if I hadn't been an LGBT team, I would have just found a normal team and hopefully been able to, you know, cope any abuse. How would you describe yourself as a player? Oh, I mean, tricky winger, tough tackle in the back. I'm a centre mid. Yeah, probably. Yeah, defensive midfield. I'd say. No, look, that's that's cool. And so. 
I just wonder, you mentioned that you stopped playing for five years. And was it just because you just didn't feel like there would be a little bit of acceptance or understanding? Because that's, that's, that's pretty hard to do, especially for something that you really enjoy and love. Yeah, um, just, I guess, I don't know if I felt comfortable enough to come out. And then I was living this lie. I was like, I had a life when I was out. But then I had this other life where I play football and I'd be a different person and kind of didn't really enjoy that. And then I just didn't feel comfortable enough to come out at the time. So I just decided to give up. Like, I, I think it's pretty insane, especially from the men's perspective, because Bedham, you're a, you're a women's coach and I'm, I don't want you to tell us how many players that you've got in your team, but I would be shocked if you didn't have any players in your team who were part of the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, no, we do have a few openly gay women, um, a few um, well, there's a couple in there that you know met through football and are currently engaged to get married. Obviously, so social aspects there where you know they're open enough to meet new people and you know things have eventuated from it. And you know, there's no judgment, no nothing. Everyone's you know who they want to be. Yeah, and and I think I think that's the coolest part of going and watching a women's game is you can see the community, you can see the families, you can see the partners. They even bring dogs to the games. Like that's that's how much of a nicer environment it must be. So so I'm sure. You've got something similar like that at um, Perth, South Perth and Perth Pride. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the same with our women's team in South Perth. It's far a higher percentage of people who are LGBT <laughs> than the men's team. Um, but it's, just, it's weird because, like, World Pride was on in February. So I was in Sydney with that, and I was chatting to teams from America, and they were saying back in America, like, American football is considered, like, the man's sport. So all the gay players go and play soccer because that's considered like the less tough sport. So it's, I guess, similar with women's football. It's like almost accepting of LGBT people, whereas the men's game here still has that kind of man's man sport. Yeah. How, how close are the club's ties with some of the other pride clubs around Australia? Did, is there an interaction and that sort of community that you have? Um so we've only been around for like two years and obviously Perth is quite isolated. So they do have like teams in the East have had to, like LGBT t- tournaments, but um, obviously the Perth team maybe doesn't have enough numbers and it's a long way to go. I actually went. A couple of people, people from Perth went and played with the Melbourne team. And I guess that's, you know, good to think about the LGBT community as a community. Mm. I can go play for the Melbourne team and accept it as part of that community. Now look, that's that's cool, and I suppose my my question is, for for people who have no idea, what what is the need of this team? Like, like why would this team exist? You know, and and I say that as someone who we'll have a piece at the end of the show where we talk about community from an Irish perspective with East Perth and Emerald and the need of that. But hopefully, we can draw the parallels in terms of saying, look, this is why this team exists and why it why why it's needed. Yeah, I mean, I guess like when I was saying, I when I first came out, I didn't feel comfortable in that environment to play football, whereas the Perth Pride, you just know you're going to be accepted. Like you know, there's not going to be any issues. Another good thing, even if you're touch of shit, they'll they'll still they'll still oh, back nah. you. I mean, we're just here to have fun, <laughs> really. I mean, no one cares. Um, but yeah, the other thing is, it's a good way to meet like-minded gay people. Which I mean, how do you go meet? How do you meet people like that? But go to LGBT football team, you're going to meet people of similar interests. Yeah, um, because with my team, I coach obviously Hamis Elite Women's, and we played a friendly against the Pride team, I want to say start of last year, pre-season. I'm not, not sure if you were there I wasn't at that there. point. Um, but it came up to me from one of the um, players I had at the time that were openly gay, and um, at that time, I didn't know about you know the Pride team, and maybe that was ignorant for me, but you know, it was just never something 
I've gone into. And when they told me that it could be different now, but you just don't play in a league, do you? You kind of just play some friendly matches here and there, but it's more the training aspect, isn't it? Is that yeah. right? Uh, yeah, so it's just the training and the social aspect. And I think that works well because it means we don't have to have a standard. It could be open to anyone. Whereas I guess once we start entering a league, your training has to be more serious. And then we've got the issue of gender, mm. which we don't have to worry about. You just come along, whoever you are, have fun. And because we've got a link with South Perth, if you do want to play games, the option's there. Because, yeah, the experience we had, we came down, played a night game, had fun, there was food after, and it was just a great environment and gave chances for people to mingle, to find out more about it. And, I mean, since then, I've got a connection with a person that runs it. I'm really bad with names, so I do apologise. But um, that, that got a connection, huh? I, I still forget, like, my yeah, stream sometimes. You know. I, I say the same with, uh, with Karen Byrne and David Byrne. Um, but no, look, I, I think I think I think football, especially from a male's perspective, still has a long way to go. But the fact that we have an avenue, we have a space, we have an opportunity where um, where people can go and be accepted and feel part of that community. Because, I, like I said, I, I firmly believe that community is the best part about this thing. Is that is that whether it's you're the Greek community and you've just got off the boat and you've got here, you know where you can go. Whether you are Ghanaian and you want to know where you can play and be be cool with people, whether you are Irish and you've literally just got off the plane and you want to know, you know, who's going to speak the same language, where you can get the same mushy peas, where you can get the same Cadbury dairy milk that they have with the buttons. Like that, that's what the sport is about. And, and for me, the idea of telling people, nah, you can have your community, but you can't have the sport. Just, I could not fathom or understand it over. I just, in my opinion, and, and I, it's, it's a real, touching because I've obviously friends that are gay and, and so forth but for me why can't we just play football <laughs> who cares and, and it's, it's as simple as that and I say it all the time who cares it, it's just it's a round ball it's 11 v 11 or 5 v 5 let's just play because guess what that's what connects us all yeah. and I think that's the most important for me is what connects us all it's that round ball it's watching the games it's watching that 11 v 11 regardless of who's playing or, or not it's, it's that connection and I think for me, you know, you are what you are, and you, and that's how you're built, and that's all that matters. Yeah, and I, and I think I think we need to we need to harp on that because there will be some people who who will hear that and be like, yeah, who cares? So then, why do we need all the rainbows and why would we need all that kind of stuff? And like, so why do, why does a Greek club have to have a Greek? Club? Yeah, why does it... <laughs> like, thank you. Well, thank th you. this is how I say it yeah. because that's that is who you are. Thank you. Yeah, I, I understand. And okay, I, I've had that discussion. Said, and I've had, and to be fair, it wasn't Florida. But I said, so why do you have that flag? Why is that flag there? Why do you have the lion? Yeah, Why correct. do you have the three colors? Yeah, yeah. No, why, and, why are you called that? No, and, and Because you be want to be, uh, have that representation as well while being part of that community of football. Because it's important. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Because, because people, people want to be seen. People, yeah. like you said, but the most telling thing that you've said so far is you didn't want to live this life. And like the idea of someone having to not be who they are just so they could play football. Goodness gracious me. Imagine telling someone from, from now on, you've got to use your left foot so you can play football. Again, it's a, it's a dumb analogy, but the idea of like, I've just got to not be who I am just so I can play just sounds completely insane. Yeah, well, and I'm going to swear again. Okay. Just live your life. Life's too short. So why do you have to live like that? Yeah. You know, you, you just have to enjoy life. I think I'll leave that swear in. I was just going to ask as well. Did you have any um, sort of role models um, as 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 a player or as as anything uh, anything like that? Oh, no, I mean growing up, there was no openly gay players at all in the professional game, and I guess that's slowly changing in the last sort of few years. We had one come out in Scotland last year and one in England, 
There's one out in Australia. Yeah, the homie Carvalho. Yeah, so I mean, it's slowly getting there. But yeah, when I was growing up, there was no no role models to look up to, which you know definitely was an issue. Do, do you think it would help um, a lot of people to have those role models? Oh, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, when you're a child, you look up to these footballers as your heroes. So having about having some more out there is openly gay. If you're a you know twelve, thirteen year old, not sure of yourself, if you've got someone you can look up to who's playing at top level level and just like you, oh, it's such an inspiration. And this is why I love the women's game is because there's no hiding it. There's no shame. There's we've got the best football in the world. Is there be- footballers? The best, yeah, exactly. But we've got the best football in the world. The best football in the world is a Western Australian woman yeah. who was scoring goals and is taking photos with her partner, just having a, a great time and living their life. And I, I long for the day that we can do that with the guys. And then once we do that, then it, then it stops being a case of like who the hell cares because it's just the most normal, natural thing in the world. Yeah, great. Um, but look, we'll go into it and say, from from our perspective, which football team do you actually support growing up? Because oh, if, you, if you say the wrong team, we're going to have to kick you out here. I don't think you would have heard the team I support. I support a little team called the RJ in the Scottish lower leagues. Really? Yeah. Not, 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 not Dundee, not, not Aberdeen? No, no. The RJ, they're in the second tier of Scottish football now. How are they doing? So it's Tommy's time. <laughs> Tommy supports Leeds. It's been a rough day for uh, Tommy. Yeah. Oh, well, we, got, we, got, we got promoted last week, so we've had it off Thanks. the season. <laughs> <laughs> So did you get a chance to like see them? They were your local team, so you watched them as you were growing up? Yeah, yeah, I watched them. So I was up at three in the morning last Saturday watching us win in penalties, so it was a good feeling. Jeez. Nervy at all? Oh, terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. And then, so did you watch any team in England at all? Because uh, that, unfortunately, that's, you know, the vast, the vast majority of, of, of our listeners, even the Greek ones, support teams in England. Yes, if I'll call them that. Um, I don't know. It's always just keep an eye on the Scottish players in the Premiership. I don't think I ever supported a team, but you know, English football's on everywhere. You kind of follow it, if, even if you don't. Awesome. Well, uh, look, as, I was just about to say as well, and as as uh, as someone from Scotland, are you, are you fed up with all the the Ange Postecoglou talk yet, or is uh, or is it something that you've been asked about a lot? Obviously, coming out here. Um, I don't, I don't think people, many people have talked to me about him, but he's very popular at home. He is very popular yeah. among the Celtic fans. And he, to be honest, he's done a great job. And he actually seems like a cracking guy. I've got a lot of time for him. He absolutely is a cracking guy. Like ledger. You hear the stories of him just saying, all I've wanted was to be in a place that loved football as much as I do. And he's kind of got that in Glasgow. And I generally hope that he stays there for as long as he can. It'll be good to see him stay. Um, Rumour has it Tottenham have knocked on the door now. So it's a big call to knock it back or yeah, not knock back. Um, got to knock it back. But in man. terms of Celtic, it's it's a massive thing to have, and and I think the records are falling every every time. So, and when you've got you know Harry Kuehl on your side as well, you, you're doing okay, aren't you? Well, look, Carl. Um, before we let you go, is there any final parting words that you want to say? Anything that you want to say? Anything you want to say to us or to anyone that might be listening? Um, to to wrap up your your terrific and, and honestly thank you cameo for for us um yeah i guess i would say if anyone wants to come down to perth pride training you're more than welcome it's open to everyone of all abilities i guess we just search on facebook for perth pride fc you should find us get in touch come down tuesday nights when we train and once again look thank you so much and i'm delighted that it's yeah. south perth again because they're a club who are doing it such a cool way and hopefully they do really well in the amateur leagues this year and get promoted because yeah the the infrastructure that they've got the community that they've got is is really good to see and leo can't can't thank you enough for, for putting me in touch with you carl so thank you so much for your time carl i know thanks for having me i've enjoyed it
And we're back with part three. Huge, huge thanks to Carl. Um, how, how good was that, boys? Yeah. I was awesome. And um, I think we were just talking out the studio before if um, if the conversation we've just had um, helps even one person reach out either to the podcast or to, or to South Perth, then it's been a, a worthwhile experience having Carl in the studio. Just so great to hear his story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Seconded, third, fourth. So yeah, if you do need anything, go reach out to reach out to the good people at South Perth or to myself on the Facebook page, Instagram page, and we'll get in touch and um, put you in the right direction. Um, speaking of right directions, Perth Red Star ladies, reigning supreme after the regional round. Um, Tommy, you were there. Nova, you were there. Betum, you watched it as well. We'll start with you, Betum. What did you What did you see? What did you notice? I uh, will. Kagami masterclass as per usual from the highlight I saw, and she plays in the midfield, right? Mm. Yeah. She does. She's also the league's leading goal scorer with nine goals. Um, and not only is she um, the, the the golden boot leader at the moment, but she is, I said this last week, she, she's right in the mix for the gold medal in my opinion. And I think if her performances keep going, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that um, a certain Alex Apakis of Perth glory, might it might be worthwhile him having a look at her. That's how good she's been this season so far. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, NTC, Bit of a uh, few mixed results. I mean, again, from the highlights, they do love to play from the back, which sometimes leads to the downfall, which was the occasion from what I saw. Anything different from you, Stu? So I thought the credit has to go to Red Star for the way they pressed. I thought I thought the way that Red... When you see teams press, sometimes it's a bit gung-ho. It's a bit chaotic. We're just sort of running willy-nilly trying to shut the ball down. But Red Star really sort of... They almost let them have the first pass out of defense, you can have that one for free and then we'll go bang. They they sort of went for the pinch point and they were able to turn the ball up really high up the field. And to be honest, Jonah Ridley had two or three really good chances in the first half, which she could have put in the back of the net and it could have been two or three nil by the break. Um, as it turned out, it was only one um, and it kept NCC in the game. Worth mentioning for, for Ben Anderson's team that they were missing quite a few players. Um, Tanika Lala came off the bench for the second half. Um, she's obviously only just back from from her trials. I think she only got back on Thursday or Friday, so it was a quick turnaround for her. Uh, their leading scorer, Claudia Hullis, was out, injured as well. Um, oh, no, sorry, she didn't come down. And, and Georgia Cassidy wasn't in the side either. Um, so they were missing a few players that, that would normally be starters in their team. But even though NTC have slipped out of the top four with that result, I think you've just got to give credit to Red Star. They're, they're fantastic. They're eight games undefeated. Um we we all sort of thought Larissa Walsh, Carla Bennett, Sean Billum, um, there might be some teething problems, especially after losing the night series final and that round one game, ironically, to NTC. There's been none of the such. They 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 just are relentless, they're well organized, they're well coached, and you run out of superlatives to describe the, the job that Carlos continues to do there. Oh, hundred percent. Carlos doing a great job and on the Red Star in general. Other game that I did watch was Mum vs. Frio, obviously. Watch that because I got mum coming up soon. That's right, you've got them in the cup. Yes, which out of context sounds a bit weird me saying that. We've got mum coming soon, but uh, it's for the cup game. Lucky I didn't say that. <laughs> Shout out to Tommy. Um, but Why no, like, <laughs> because you made the joke earlier without even intending on the joke earlier. Yeah, did, did, did. Um, but yeah, so what did you notice in that game? Because I, I saw some cracking finishes from that. And, and what, Kat Yukich was back in, in the goals two weeks in a row. I'm not going to say too much because I've been watching the game to try and figure out their play style, which might be a bit nerdy of me, but obviously don't want to keep the game respectable when we play them. So I'm not going to say too much of what I've saw, but um, Jessica Johnson with a goal for mum. Um, but yeah, Frio, uh, Katarina Yukich and Olivia Truman. What I noticed in that game is 
Most of the games came from balls into the box. Stacey Cavill, when added with a bit of pressure added to her, without being mean, has a bit of a butter butterfingers. After the first goal, a cross came in. Without being mean, Butterfingers. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> hey, I, I, thought, I thought Sean Fry was ruthless. I don't, I don't think you might be back by next week. She did mate. save a penalty, though. Look, I'm talking about Pewdie highlights that I saw. No, overall, she did have a good game, which why I think she was in contention of potentially team of the week. It's just what I've noticed with those ones, especially against the one in Red Star, came from a cross, bit of pressure added to where slipped through for an easy tap-in. Same thing, first goal happened, cross came in, goes through her hands. Easy header. And the second one, again, bit of pressure on the keeper. Gives her that, oh, do I go, do I stay? Bit of, I can't uh, wait till she has an absolute masterclass. Oh, I'm expecting she it. Keeps, keeps, a, <laughs> yeah, keep, keeps a clean sheet and it's 4-0. Cop that. Hey, hey, I'm the underdog, so. Best I'm, way I'm to just, go in, eh? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, yeah. I can't wait hey, till it happens. No pressure on me. If, if we lose, I'll be like, hey, we just got promoted. First thing an NPL team. It is what it is. If we do well. Good experience like, for the girls, eh? Oh, Absolutely even if we massive for them. even if we lose, yeah, I mean, good the experience we'll get will bring into the state league, so women's div one, to make <laughs> us better. I'll yeah. I'll, tr- I'll try and keep you out of trouble, Bedham. Um, having <laughs> watched trouble. the game, what did you notice about Fremantle City? Because they're starting to get going now. They're up to, well, I think they're th- joint second with Perth, but behind on goal difference. Um, but I saw them against Perth the week before. I thought they were very impressive. Um, they gave Red Star a really good game, losing that one three two. What are you seeing in their game, and do you think they they are the team that are the most likely to catch Red Star? I'm not sure if they're the most likely. Like I will admit, the first few games I was watching them going, oh, they've dropped off a little bit because obviously the potential they had. But now that they're, I guess, their tactics and the things they're doing are working, like pushing up wallmen and trying different few things, it's working for them. Again, maybe it took a few games to get that going, but now that it is, like watching them, you know, generally good to watch. Um, even watching through the highlights of the game, just to refresh myself, um, passages of plays are just good. And I mean, Mama team, they like to press, they like to draw plays towards them to create space and such, but Frio, I mean, did all the right things. Again, the goal they conceded was well worked to call from Mum, but overall, you know, Red Star looked like the most likely to win that game. Oh, so not Red Star, sorry, Frio. Is that right? Yeah, and no, I was just looking at the ladder, just just briefly, a quick look. Um, tell me you're a machine. Yeah, to know that, by the way, that's unbelievable. I could ask you what the ladder was in 1987, the old Division One. You'd still I wasn't there. born then, though. But come on, <laughs> wow! I was only 16. No, <laughs> there's no chance you were 16. But yeah, look, look, looking at the table, you can see that it's really starting to take shape. But and even with even with Red Star, um, they're only three points clear at the moment. But with a game in hand. Yeah, yeah. Three points clear with the game in hand. Uh, no, the uh, NTC game hasn't been added yet. Oh, okay. Ah. So they're six points. Oh, clear. there you go. So six points clear. Oh, oh you know God. why? Dave Averson hasn't entered in his oh, results. Cheers, Dave. <laughs> I tell you what, that's fine. Dave, Dave you've just, you've just minging. You've just Abs- got caught in HD. Look, it's right there. It says zero zero on Scotty as well. Dave Averson <laughs> making us look bad. To be fair, I haven't entered mine from Sunday, so I can't say much. <laughs> um, the, the other game I saw at the weekend was uh, I, when I got back from Albany on, on Sunday, I managed to catch the second half of Subi versus Perth. Um, it was a game which I, per, it was all Perth, really, in the second half. Um, Subi Echo were camped back deep in their territory. Um, at, and to be fair, Ash Riddle and the Subi goal made a few Absolutely brilliant saves. Um, unfortunately, the third of those saves, uh, she injured herself, so she had to come off, and Gemma Skinner came on in her place and also made a couple of good saves. And 
the winning goal, which was scored by Monique Godding. So goals in back-to-back games. Um, I know I know you're good friends with Greg Bedham, but I, I'm sure that he would have been so frustrated conceding a goal like that, given the amount of effort and the amount of energy they put into defending and how hard they worked to try and grind out a point in that game. To concede in that manner must have been so frustrating, given uh, the circumstances. 100%. I mean, anyone in that position, you know, if you're doing well against Perth and you concede to, I mean, that goal, it's always going to be a bit hard. What, what was the goal like for those of us who didn't see? I'll try my best to explain it. Um, ball gets whipped into the box. Monique Godding, I think, tries to take a touch, tries to hit it first time. Miss hits it, it bounces. She does a little pirouette and then hits it the second time. Oh. So there was a bit of... Uh, so she had enough time to... There was a bit spin. of fortune. Yeah. yeah, a bit of fortune, but maybe should have been a bit more of a reaction from the defenders of the keeper. But I mean, Gemma Skinner is, I think, what, 14, 15? She's ve- maybe even 13. Like She's very young. Our first game for the NPL women. So, I mean, credit to her for you know the save she put off. But I guess in that instance, maybe miscommunication or something, but... I mean, she had a great game. I think it was one of those ones where the cross came in from Gemma Crane from the right, and it was almost as if um, the players in the box anticipated that a header was going to be made, and instead the ball just came over the top and players were caught unaware, and then hence the um, the, the initial effort that Godding had and then the, the time that she had to sort of turn and spin. But um, from Perth's perspective, that was a really important three points for them. It wasn't the prettiest um, of performances. I'm sure Pete will be one of the first to, to say that, at least on the second half that I saw. Um, but don't estimate the value of those three points given the injuries that they currently have at the moment. Obviously, Gemma came back off the bench. but Yeah, um, that lineup didn't look like it was the strongest lineup um, a, a, when, when they put it out. But Alyssa Van Huyck was on the bench as well, so pleasing for them to keep a clean sheet with her in the team. Ellie Lamont is still out. Faye Phillips got injured against Balcatter a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that's a big three points considering they'd lost three of their four games prior. It puts them back into second. And one thing they do have is that healthy goal difference. And, and it's early in the season, but that's almost like an extra point for them. Well, look, the, the next, I mean, obviously it, this weekend is cup round, but the game after that, can you have a look and see who, it's, who they've got next? Well, I, I know they've got Red Star because I can see it on the screen and they've also <laughs> got Red Star in the cup this weekend. So it's Perth. Oh, wow. So it's Red Star versus Perth two weeks in a row in the Make cup. So there's a massive team being knocked out early. That's absolutely delicious. What time's the fixture? Do you know? Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, the other, the other, I think, I think it, the cup. I think it might be 2:30 on Saturday. Uh, no, just bear with me. I think it's moment. Sunday. The game. Yeah, so the game's on the 4th of June, so the Sunday, 3 p.m. at Dorian Gardens. Do you have all these fixtures there? Yeah. Can you give us a quick rundown of all the fixtures, please, Bedham? Uh Yeah. So on the Sunday, we have NTC versus Subi, 3 p.m. at Lidus. We have Bacata versus Frio, 3 p.m. at Grindleford. Oh. Um, Perth v. Red Stars at Dorian Gardens, 3 p.m. And then on the Monday at 3 p.m., you have good old Hamsley United versus Mum. With, with all the scouting that you've taken and and, uh, and know all their weaknesses, which, mate, we're, we're rooting for you. Down at Korean Open Space? Oh, yes. Korean Open Space. If you're oh, free well, on nice. the public holiday. Uh, Definitely be there. down there for that. I mean, like, if you want to see a quick little of my notes. Oh, I'm, mate, that's a lot of notes. Got on there, you know, got to do all my preparation. I don't think you'll be there for that, don't Won't you have a Sunday league game to, to look after? Monday. It's on Monday. Oh, Monday. That's on Monday. I yes, I do. I do have a Sunday game, but you're right. Yes, but that's game. what I'm saying. Monday will be good. Games on Monday. The, the, the other game, um, just to divert back to the week section, um, Freeman, uh, sorry, Balcata got a 4-0 win against Curtin on the Friday night. They're just starting to pick up as well. Um, since Ever since Bedham gave uh, them a little bit of a spray, actually, a few weeks ago on the show, they've um, I think they've won three games in a row now, um, having taken some real confidence from that, that Perth result. It proved to be a real circuit breaker for them. 
and and suddenly they find themselves just three points off second place. So three games in a row, only conceded uh, once as well. Yeah, and um, and the, defensively they've actually been pretty good. But when you just put it into context with what Perth and Perth Red Star have done, um, not just this season but also last season, um, it, it's sort of. They've only conceded nine goals, but obviously Perth and, and Perth Red Star have also conceded single figures. But this is what the really cool thing is with this league as well, right? Like we can talk about Red Star being six points clear, but look at Perth, Frio, Mum, NTC and Balcata, and they're all separated by three points. So that's that's that shows you what's at stake there. And I think uh, Red Star will then be going into a state of games where they've got Perth, they've got Curtin, and then they've got Balcata, an informed Balcata who might still be informed then as well. Watch this space. Curtin's going to be a red star. Can I? <laughs> what? How do I just what? wait? Hold on. Is there a is there a laugh track? We don't have a laugh. Tra- hold up. There we go. That's your shout. No, definitely not. <laughs> no, Curtin are getting better. The results, obviously, four 0 They've got new keeper, um, few new players. Development's there, but might be a bit too late for them. That's a huge shout. I mean, I mean, I'm here for it. Tell you what. Um, if if they don't win, would you eat a hat like Sean was supposed to do last year? As if Curtin don't win. Yeah, he, he said if uh, if Red Star don't beat NTC, if if Red Star don't beat Curtin this week, I'll uh, eat a hat. But then the game didn't get played, and it had to be played the week after, and he still didn't eat a hat despite him saying, "If the game doesn't happen this week, I'm gonna eat a hat," kind of thing. Um, so if Red Star um, don't win, you have to eat a hat. I take back everything. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, I think that's a perfect transition into the last bit that we've got, um, which is called Amateur Hour, Ooh. because um, Nova and myself had the absolute joy of going to see some amateur games uh, this weekend. And, uh, and Nova, you were at a special one where a former pro player ended mm. up getting a goal. Yeah, he did, and, and told me about it too. Um, what, what did he say? He said, I won't say any exact words, but basically saying, how good am I? I haven't lost it. I'm a Premier League player. Brilliant. You're playing Sunday League, correct? Well done. I hope, hope it's good. <laughs> but um, <laughs> to be fair, though, you could just it, – it's he's different he came – yeah, he he's is. It, it's not, it's diff, totally different. I mean, he's come on at halftime, and, and, and we're talking about Andy Keir, obviously. It's uh, the discussion Who point. Who is now at North, North Beach, Beach, for goodness yeah. sake. So he's just come on, and it's like as if – it's like watching oh, – it's a really bad analogy. But if you watch Pelé in the 1970 World Cup, how much time he gave himself on the ball – that's all I'm going to compare them to. Andy just seemed to have so much time on the ball. Um, he was played at a different speed, right? Like, just that's and, probably the right way. And the Jaguars yeah. players aren't slow. Yeah, and Andy was played at a different speed. slow. Honestly, I almost had to get a scooter from the city of Sterling to just keep up at some stage. My legs, even now, I can't move. But um, the game itself, I thought it was a great game. Andy's not happy with me because I didn't give him a penalty, um, which is fine. That's okay. I'm happy not to give him one. Um, yeah, but. It, the game's been good, and there's some exciting stuff about to come out in terms of um, amateur football for, that um, I'm involved in, which could potentially be a state tour um, at the end of the year. Um, oh, mate, for the uh, amateur state team again? Yeah, but the terms of who they're playing against, there's the, I've, got a, I've actually got a meeting tomorrow um, potentially against Malaysian Premier League sides. So it's... Big games, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so exciting times. Makes it easier for me refereeing because I get to have a look at every single player so I know who well, I'm looking at at the you, moment. If you need a terrible right back. <laughs> we need someone to carry water, so we've got that going. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's some stuff that's, you know, in the paper, you know some, some things in the works and hopefully it comes through. 
Just broadly speaking, as as well, Nova, um, you're obviously quite involved in that space as well. Obviously, with with COVID over the past few seasons, um, the the states, the the young teams, the state teams haven't had the ability to sort of go overseas and do camps and, and travel yeah. and play in these games. Uh, we saw a group go out to Indonesia recently as well. I think you you were there as well. Um, how important is it that? we do give the opportunities for, for these teams to go out to these different places, experience different cultures and, and settings. I think it's a massive thing that Football West or ourselves are doing in terms of Asian engagement and not, not just for players, it also coaches, referees, administrators as well. So it, it actually gives us a chance to see how they do it and for them to learn off us as well in certain aspects, um, especially when it comes to player development, coaching development, it's, it's a big thing. Um, in terms of these players, some of these players, the way I look at it is – this is an opportunity for players being amateur junior women's um, that they may never get. So they may never become, and, and we know not everyone's going to be a professional footballer. We know not everyone's going to travel with teams overseas. So this gives them an opportunity and something, a memory to remember with. And it's not just about playing, it's also that cultural experience. So when we went to Bali, we, we end up going to um, temples. We ended up going to different places around Bali to actually see how they lived and how how different the world is Broad outside of our box. as well. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And and I think that's the important part. And credit to to the board, Jamie Hummel, the CEO, and Perry Lardy, our, our GM, to to keep putting these things on and and giving me more work, which is fine, um, <laughs> to find these games. Um, but again, it's, it's something that is close to me because I was lucky enough as a young kid to, to travel to Singapore and different places around Asia to play and now to be able to use that experience for others to do that as well. And I think it's it's a, it's a great thing. And that's why I'm looking forward to the amateurs um, to be able to go away for a week and play three, four games um, against top uh, top opposition. Man, I'll tell you, that, that that sounds awesome because like as an amateur player myself, that opportunity to try your best, test yourself, and then to get a chance to go travel and to make that trip is awesome. I made the amateur team, state team once, and it was the year that COVID happened. So yeah. the cultural emotion that I got was going up to Kalgoorlie. And mate, it's a different culture up there. I'll tell different, you that. It's definitely a culture. Um, some good streets that you can go past, and uh, I know some good areas. But um, in terms of this, I mean, it, it it also tests you. Not like you said, it tests yourself. But when we go to the juniors, we talk to them about: Do you want to be a professional footballer? Yeah, it is. Well, that's what you're up against. You want to play in Asia? This is what you're up against. So when they play against the Indonesian national team, that's who you're playing against. You want to, You need to be better than them to be able to get through. Mm. Um, and, and, and even at amateur, you know, amateur level, we talk about, you know, this is the best of the best, but compared to what? So you go and play against some of these players and their touch, their the way they read the game, the, the way they play is different feats. Yeah. But it's a good opportunity as well for, for Asia to have a look at our players too because you, you never know what may occur. They may say, listen, do you want to stay back or, or and potentially some coming back over as well. So. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I think we I think we understate just how technically gifted a lot of these um, Asian footballers Asian footballers are, particularly um, in Southeast Asia, places like Thailand, like Malaysia, um, even like on the women's side with the likes of Philippines as well. Um, they're obviously going to be playing in, in a World Cup as well. Alex yeah. Sad, Alan Sadjic done a terrific job since going there, and um, yeah, a, a lot. Of, it's it's kind of like a street football almost, isn't it? You, you get a lot more touches of the ball. You're playing on on bumpy pitches, sometimes roads, and it's a completely different type of football, but. To, to, to sort of go back to something that we spoke about a little bit earlier, it's all part of that the different culture, the different sort of community and and, and how it unfolds and to be able to bring those different worlds together. It um it, it really is it really is unique. I think you're right. And and the difference is what 
I used to do and, and some of us used to do 20 years, 25 years ago, get home from school, play in the backyard till it's dark, play on the road, who cares what it looks like, just play. That's what they're going through. And that's why for me personally, some, and I tell my son the same thing, you're spoiled because you've got great opportunity to play on great grounds. You play at E&D Litters. When I was a kid, the only time we played it, and it was called the Velodrome back then, was when we played in the final. That was it. Otherwise, you're at the back and you don't even get to look. Don't worry about training or playing on a weekly basis. You're lucky to touch that grass. So you're where Kalichi plays now? Basically. During the week? Not, not, not as good. <laughs> well, look, we'll, we'll finish off amateur hour because I ended up getting to see East Perth and Emerald. Um, and it was a cracking game of football. High intensity, super physical. Um, I think... I think East Perth were lucky to get out with a, with a nil-nil draw. I thought Emerald were the side who you could see their pattern of play. You could see how they were trying to score. Um, Greeny, the goalkeeper, put out – Luke Green, the goalkeeper, put out some really good saves there, and I think he got man of the match. Um, and so he wasn't injured? No, he wasn't injured for, for once. Um, they've already got two goalkeepers who were injured, so it's, yeah. been, it's been tough for them. Um, and you could hear you could hear the coach, Cos, Colin Costello, talking in the first half saying, boys, we keep giving the ball away so cheaply and easily. And I'll tell you right now – I probably counted once when they kept the ball for five passes in that first half, whereas Emerald had a much better play of it. But um, the score doesn't matter from that game because the, the coolest thing about that game was this was one of the first time that I got a chance to go to um, Cabrini Park and see the new setup that East Perth have done there. Good. It's really good. Um, it's It's really good to see, again, a club that started off in the Hub League yep. um, and they're sticking to their Irish roots. They've got, like I said, they've got the chips and gravy, the same way that they like it from back home. They've got... Um, the UK chocolates. You can even see the UK pound sign that they had on them. Um, and we've got this interview with two of the stalwarts from the club, um, Gary Morrell, who's had an amazing time and is an amazing person. And if you know anything about his story, it's it's an absolute inspiration. Um, and and Christy Lynch. So yeah, we'll listen to that here. Kalicho Sonwa for the Perth Football Podcast for a new section that we're going to call uh, Amateur Hour, but there was nothing Amateur Hour about the setup that I've just seen here. Um, we've just witnessed East Perth 0, Emerald FC 0, but I'm joined by two of the architects, two of the people who've been at the club right from the start, um, Gary Mullal and, and Chris Lynch. Boys, I don't even care about the score, the result. I'm just here buzzing, seeing the atmosphere, the environment and the community you guys have created. You've, you must be both very, very proud. Yeah, look, Kalichi, it's um, something we've been building up from from um, from the Hub League. As you know yourself, we played against you in the Hub League and we've we started right from the bottom and came right through to the Prem and this is our first year we've got a new home and we're really pushing our community now. Um, started a women's team, got a socials team and yeah, trying to push on as best as possible. And Gary, as someone like you said, like 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 Chris who's been here right from the start how does this just feel mate it's got to feel amazing i know there's a lot of hard work that happens in the background that people don't see or appreciate but it's got to feel amazing mate i tell you what like uh, days like today you have to remember we started in 2013 ourselves and emerald and to see that that was back when north perth and guelph croatia were dominating the sunday premier now we've uh, the display that was on today that's the best emerald team i've seen and um, we're, we're we're right up there now as well so um just even the families down that that the, the the amount of people coming down it just shows the community 
if the community gets behind you, what you can achieve and, and the energy around this place, everyone's buzzing, good family feel, couldn't be happier, mate. Really. The family feel is, is absolutely there as well. But look, you've, you've got a canteen that was converted from a two-person toilet to a full-on canteen, and I've been able to get the uh, the, the buttons, the chocolate buttons, just like I used to when I lived in Manchester, mate. So what's what's the next step and plan? Obviously, it's to consolidate, I'm sure, but I'm sure you've got bigger and grander ideas. And with the work that you guys have got on the community behind you, there's there's, there's got to be more, 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 more to achieve, I'm sure. Yeah, look, for me personally, um, it is just building on what we have now um, probably the next step for me would be um, pushing to get better facilities and upgrading the lights here and just pushing and trying to create a club from the ground up basically um, we're delighted to be playing in the amateur and we'll, uh, to be in the top half and competing is what we want at the minute and um, you mentioned the facilities you mentioned getting that set up through like, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a dreamer and a believer and, and I've got nothing but respect and love for the both of you and love and respect for the club, but there's no, there's no stopping it in terms of saying where it can go because this is how a Perth SC started. This is how Balcata started. So that's got to just feel like an awesome experience, an awesome opportunity to be here from the ground up. Yeah, well, look, we've, um, we've, been, we've had plenty of knockbacks down through the years. We were very happy to ground share at, in the early stage with, uh, with Ashfield. And then we moved, we moved on and we had a relationship with Inglewood United. Um, we learned a lot from them clubs um, and then trying to find our own. We even brought the canteen lady with yeah. you as well. <laughs> yeah, so, so Don is down here on a Sunday uh, giving us a dig out. But look, uh, it's, it's the, way, the way we look at it is this, it's very hard to get prime real estate state anywhere up around the northern suburbs so um, for us to have a little ground we can call home it's it's humble beginnings but we, we, we feel we can make it our own so and uh, look last one from me I don't know what your your plans are crunch but Gary you've got kids here so what's how awesome does that feel like your kids could end up playing for East Perth as well if, if they decide to go the football route yeah, yeah that's um, that's that's one thing a lot of a lot of parents here a lot of members and um, we want some for our kids to play too so a junior setup isn't isn't far away it's 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 it's, it's in the vision it's in, in our vision and um, yeah like I said a real the I way that your teammates are having kids as well mate yeah. you're not, not, not going to have a problem filling that team up uh, one thing one thing I will say with the women's women's team introduced this year it finally to me feels like a club there's something different this year having girls around and I think it's so important I'm not just saying that, that, that the club has a totally different feel um, and I think it's excellent and we, we only want to grow that women's team now and, and it's great for my daughter to see girls out there playing and not just in with the fellas in the change rooms all the time so no it, it's really good Yeah. Any, any last things from yourself Crunch anything that we need to watch out for? No I think we've covered pretty much everything as I said just the same as what Gary said absolutely delighted with how the club has grown and just watch this space yeah and look like I said from, from myself who was there at the Hub League trying to scrounge you guys around and it was never a problem getting the East Perth boys it was never the problem getting the Derry boys you always had enough to, to get teams out so it was never a problem there but to see the vision to see it materialise I know there's a lot of hard work that comes into it not a lot of people know this but a lot of clubs are run by the same four or five people they lose their hair or they go grey. <laughs> um, they lose their hair or they go grey. There's a lot of hard work. Look, I've got I've got fake implants and so no one can talk to me about it. But I just wanted to say congratulations, boys. I don't care about the result, although it favours North Perth. But I don't care about the result. It's just great seeing the community be out here. And, and it, honestly, it's, it's buzzing. It's something to, to aspire for. Yeah. No, cheers for coming down, Cal. And, and it's, it's great to be involved in such a strong Premier League this year. So, yeah. I think, as you say, Cal, 
to be honest, the result doesn't matter to us today too. It's just um, what you see. Um, growing the club is is the bigger picture for us, so the result didn't matter too much today. Football won. Thank you so much, guys. All the best, and I uh, wish you all the best for the rest of the season as well. Cheers, Kel. So, yeah, thank you so much um, to Gary and to Chris. Um, your question from yourself, Tommy, to finish it off. Yeah, and it wasn't just me and um, Nova who had a road trip on the weekend, Felici. <laughs> I believe you did on Saturday night as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we played Peel away from home. Um, such a tough game. Such a tough game. And they were coming off beating Jaguars um, in the league. And uh, we were in a situation where we didn't have four of our midfielders. We then lost Chile 10 minutes into the game. And any side that loses Chile misses out on something huge. We lost our left back and had to move our center back around and there was a lot of shell-shocked boys out there but Brian Woodall scored Mehdi Galami scored two of the greats there two aren't the, they two of the greats some of the greats there yeah they, they 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 scored some cracking goals um Woodall also got a great assist in there and we really really hung on and if um, if any amateur players are listening thinking they're going to go to peel away and get an easy result good luck all the best yeah, have a chat to the Jags they, they made me aware of it on Sunday they said it's the toughest game they've had to play it, honestly, it was it was freezing cold, and the fans were there, and the fast pace, like they pressed and pressed and pressed, and I think I think it's the first time in a while that they had enough players for both teams, because I think what's been happening is, unfortunately, they've been doubling up and playing resis and first team, yeah. and that's just the state of what amateur kind of football looks like. There's some really good teams there that are struggling to keep players, or players are going on FIFO. You're now older; it takes a little bit more time to get healthy. You're you're family commitments and stuff like that and it's really tough so yeah great 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 trip and um had some sang some songs on the way back as well i uh, enjoyed enjoyed the, enjoyed couple, the bus. i saw that couple of sodas on the bus couple of, couple of sodas on the bus but it was really frustrating because i uh cleaned the changing rooms out put the kits away and came out and there was no pizza left so i had to go uh had to go get my own dinner but the club's got to look after me as well so good good night well boys any more for any more bet him hi um no, nothing for me. Well, good luck against um against Mama, especially after you've been cashing checks or writing checks. You're going to need a need a cash, mate. Look, I make jokes to hide my nervousness, so <laughs> it's fine. No, it's Nova, fine. what do you do to hide your nervousness? I don't get. It's funny. I don't really get nervous. To be fair, it's it's a bit bizarre. But yeah, I just maybe talk shit. Talk shit. Yeah, but um, yeah, I was just gonna say all the best in the weekend against Jags in the Cup, mate. Um, I've got my game and it won't be yours. I've been told I'm not allowed to do North Perth and Jags at the same time. But um, yeah, just I've, make sure we've got three referees for that one. I think I think you'll be okay. So my one's three. It's gonna be interesting. But I've got. I think I've got. Uh, Kingsway and Emerald, so that will be a, a cracking game That'll as well. That'll be a cracking game. Yeah, Jags, Jags at home is Jags home or away is never fun for yeah, them. Yeah, I would never fun. Yeah, some big units. Tommy, any more for any more? No, nothing further. All right, everybody, take care, look after yourselves, and enjoy the long weekend. You won't get a pod from us on Monday, so listen out to the full time whistle that we will produce on the Saturday and all the Sunday. All the best. Bye bye. He was making up free kicks too, by the way. Dave? Oh, so bad. Oh, I'm glad I've got that little record.